Chapter 1 London, July 1862 Four hours past noon on a muggy July day, Minerva Todd got into her carriage, jerked her gloves on, retied her bonnet ribbons, and stared straight ahead as if to speed the vehicle to its destination. The day, although already well advanced, was shy on sunlight. Pewter-coloured clouds moved in from the east, bringing with them a sodden breeze and the scent of rain. She inserted a gloved finger between her cheek and the bonnet ribbon, wishing the fabric wasn't irritating. Anything new was bound to chafe, at least until a certain familiarity had been achieved. The dress was not new, however. Instead, she wore one of her serviceable dark blue day dresses. She'd had half a dozen of them made so she could detach the white collar and cuffs when she was working. Otherwise, she wore her most favourite garment, a divided skirt, much like trousers. Today she had to appear garbed like a proper woman of London, at least until this ghastly errand was finished. As much as she would have liked to be on an expedition, the wet spring and early summer weather had prevented it. Yet even had she been blessed with sunshine in Scotland, she wouldn't have left London, not until she had an answer about Neville. Where was her brother? The Earl of Rathsmere must know, but the man hadn't answered her five letters, the latest only three days ago. She had no choice but to call on him. She'd heard stories about Rathsmere, of course. The man had a foolish soubriquet, the Rake of London, and was rumoured to have once had a royal lover, one of the cousins of the Queen herself. The fact that he'd broken off the arrangement was scandalous enough, but he'd also recounted certain personal facts to a gathering of men no better than himself, namely, that the woman in question liked the colour red. To please her, he'd had his undergarments dyed crimson. He'd flaunted his Scottish heritage by parading around her rooms, attired in nothing more than a swath of crimson and black tartan. The Queen had not been pleased by the tales of her cousin's licentiousness. The poor woman had been shipped off to Australia to tour sheep farms. No doubt she'd been told to mend her ways if she ever wanted to appear at court again. Wayward women were never applauded in society. The Rake of London, however, was a perennial darling. People laughed at his escapades. They excused his excesses. They allowed, no, encouraged, his complete disregard of the most basic tenets of civilization. He was, in a word, a reprobate, a miscreant, and a libertine. And now he was an earl, a complete and total waste of a proper title. When the carriage stopped in front of the large townhouse belonging to the man, she stared through the window at the broad steps, her eyes travelling upward to encompass the three stories of the structure. How like McGeehan not to simply live in a fashionable square, but in a house that took up one whole corner of it. The structure seemed to proclaim itself a royal residence. At the very least it was a home for someone filled with his own consequence. From what she'd heard, the man was attractive. Looks faded. Intelligence didn't. The Earl was, from his actions, a very stupid man. What did she care how attractive the apple if the fruit within was rotten? She had quite a wealth of correspondence from various men across the continent. The topic had not been as important as her missives to the Earl of Rathsmere, but each man had been kind enough to answer her letters. Yet the Earl had not seen fit to respond to her inquiries and he was the only one with the information she was desperate to obtain. Her driver dismounted, 
came around and opened the door for her. Are you very certain you wish to do this, Minerva? She bit back her sigh. Hugh was the perfect example of attractiveness, intelligence and character. Unfortunately, he was also too curious. She was to blame for that. By her actions, she'd led him to believe he had the right to be so intrusive. I see no other recourse, she said. He hasn't answered my letters. What else can I do? He may refuse to see you. She nodded, placing her hand on Hugh's arm, allowing him to assist her from the carriage. He may, she said. If he won't see me today, he'll see me tomorrow. If he won't see me tomorrow, he'll see me the day after. And a thousand days, if necessary, Hugh. He raised one eyebrow. Very well. Perhaps she was a tiny bit stubborn in certain situations. She was a woman who toiled in a man's world. She couldn't afford to be perceived as soft and demure. That was for women who rarely left their parlours or used fans for the love of all that was holy. She couldn't imagine using a fan to flirt with a man. She'd feel like a fool.